أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our tafsir page by page and inshallah ta'ala today we are on page number 18 towards the end of the first juz of Surah Al-Baqarah in the previous episode, towards the end of the previous episode, we mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about the people of the scripture, the nations who came before us. As Allah azawajal has done through much of the first juz of this, of this surah uh, and the Quran. And that is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us the mistakes that they fell into and the problems that they had and how we should stay away from them. And there are many lessons in terms of the iman that we should have, the way that we sub- should submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and the way that we should behave as Muslims in terms of our religion and our faith and our acceptance of the laws and commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, many issues that they fell foul of. And so therefore Allah Azza is telling us, this is what they did, but that is not how it works. These are the mistakes that they made, so you be careful and beware of falling into those same issues. From those issues is what Allah Azza mentioned in the previous verses that we mentioned in the last episode, and that is the claims that they would make claims that were false, claims that had no basis in the in the evidence that Allah gave to us in Scripture and in the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet but rather they were merely wishful thoughts that they had. From those claims is that you can't enter into Jannah unless you are from the people of the Scripture of the past, the Jews or the Christians. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us not the criteria, is that you must be from the people of Tawheed and the people who do good deeds in order to enter into Jannah. At the beginning of page number 18, verse 113, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this page will mention a number of other assertions that they had, and that they made, a number of other beliefs that they also had. And Allah azza wa will refute them as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says at the beginning of this page on, on, uh, in verse 113, وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ لَيْسَتِ النَّصَارَى عَلَى شَيْءٍ وَقَالَتِ النَّصَارَى لَيْسَتِ الْيَهُودُ عَلَى شَيْءٍ وَهُمْ يَتْلُونَ الْكِتَابِ كَذَلِكَ قَالَ الَّذِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ مِثْلَ قَوْلِهِمْ فَاللَّهُ يَحْكُمُ بَيْنَهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ فِيمَا كَانُوا فِيهِ يَخْتَلِفُونَ The Jews say the Christians have no ground whatsoever to stand on. And the Christians say the Jews have no ground whatsoever to stand on. Though they both read the scripture, and those who have no knowledge say the same. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will judge between them on Yom Al-Qiyamah, on the day of resurrection, concerning their differences. In the previous verse, in the previous episode, they said that no one will enter into Jannah, except those who are either Jews or Christians. And Allah Azza wa Jal refuted that and He said, These are their wishful thoughts. But rather, Allah Azza wa Jal said that the true criteria is the one who aslama wajhahu lillah, submits fully to Allah with tawheed, wa huwa muhsin, and he's a doer of good, meaning he follows the sunnah of the Prophet. Here, Allah Azza wa Jal is saying that that issue there 
is against the Muslims. They said you have to be from amongst us, meaning that if you're a follower of the Prophet ﷺ, according to them, you will never enter into Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, but even amongst themselves, they have differences. They don't agree. The Jews don't accept the Christian, uh, the, the, the prophethood of Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. They don't uh, accept the, the gospel or the Injil of, of Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. And likewise, the Christians don't accept the, 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 all of the teachings of Musa alayhi salam of the Torah. They believe that a number of them were abrogated and changed when Isa alayhi salatu wasalam came. And so even amongst themselves, they have differences and issues. And that is why Allah Azza wa tells us relaying those statements that they have or those beliefs that they have concerning one another, meaning don't think that they're united. The Jews say concerning the Christians, you have no ground to stand upon, meaning your religion also isn't correct. And the Christians say the same thing about the Jews. And all of them have scripture. They all have the Torah and the Injil and the Quran is present amongst them. They can see what it is, what it is that Allah Azza wa wishes from his creation. They know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala demands that they have tawheed of him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they know that Allah Azza wa commands them to follow the true uh, legislation that their prophets and messengers were sent with. And they know that Allah Azza wa told them that a prophet would come and that once he came, they must believe in him. And that his sharia would abrogate the sharia of all those that came before him. And that the revelation that he received the Quran would abrogate the revelations that came before him as well. But they simply refused to believe. And this is the statement of people who don't really have knowledge, who don't really base it upon evidence, as Allah Azza wa said, as we mentioned in the previous episode, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to them, Hatu burhanakum, bring your proof and your evidence if indeed you are truthful. Here Allah Azza wa says, Likewise, those who have no knowledge say the same as they do. They make the same assertion that they make. Why? Because it's not based upon revelation. It's not based upon true revelation that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah azza wa says that he will be the one to judge between them. On the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will judge between them. And everyone will know what it is that they worship. As the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that on Yawm al-Qiyamah, every group of people or every nation will be told to follow what it is that they worship. So the people that worship the sun will follow the sun. The people that worship the moon will follow the moon. The people that worship idols will follow the idols. The people that worship other humans, like prophets or whoever they were, they will follow those prophets until none will remain standing except the people of this ummah. Those who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And that is the reality that those people who have no knowledge, they will do or they say similar to this statement, Allah azza wa jalla will judge all of them on the day of judgment based on their differences or concerning the differences that they had when they said that this religion is better than that one or that's, this prophet was greater than that one. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will judge between them on these issues on yawm al-qiyamah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues in verse 114, telling us also concerning that which they did, from the ways that they combated the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or tried to prevent people from worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They say in verse 114, who could be more oppressive, more wicked than those who prohibit the mention of Allah's name in his places of worship, in his masajid? And they strive to have them deserted. And they strive to have them deserted 
Such people, Allah says, should not enter them without fear. There is disgrace for them in this world and a painful punishment for them in the hereafter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that from the traits of those people who are constantly disputing, constantly turning away from Allah's religion, is that they also try to stop others from worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, who is more oppressive, more wicked than those who prevent people from using the houses of Allah, the places of worship that are meant for Allah alone, they prevent people from using them in that very for that very objective. They stop the names of Allah being raised and mentioned in the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, what they do is they try to keep them deserted. Or kharab can also mean they try to take them back into disrepair or destroy them or to, in some way, make them defunct of the purpose for which they were built in the first place. And this applies not only to the people of the scripture that came before, it applies to, as we know, the Arabs, the Quraysh, and even before the Quraysh, other people who tried to destroy the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in whatever way, shape, or form. For example, the army of the elephants, Abraha, during, uh, just before the birth of the Prophet وسلم, when he came with his army of, 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 of uh, his vast army from, from Yemen and within the army there, were, there was at least one elephant if not a group of elephants and they came to attempt to destroy the Kaaba that is someone who wants to prevent people from worshipping in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what they want to do instead is that they want to destroy the Kaaba or they want to at least at the very least make it a place of desertion because we know in the story of Abraha he builds a similar structure if not bigger like the Kaaba in Yemen because he wanted the Arabs to come there instead of going to Mecca that's where the story begins and likewise we have examples of this of the of the people of Quraysh when they would stop the Prophet ﷺ from praying by the Kaaba, stop the Muslims from uh, performing tawaf by the Kaaba, stop the Muslims from worshipping Allah even after the migration of Medina, there were a number of years when the Muslims weren't able to go to Mecca and to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, despite the Quraysh as the, the tribe that was the custodians of the Kaaba, they were in the position of looking after the Kaaba and the city of Mecca and so on. It was their policy that the Arabs, irrespective of what the issues that were going on amongst them, because the Arabs often had civil war and strife between them, the various tribes of Arabia. But when it came to pilgrimage, when it came to Mecca and the Kaaba, when it came to coming for Umrah or for Hajj, they wouldn't prevent anyone. But with the Prophet ﷺ and his companions and followers, they prevented them for a number of years. In fact, even in the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, we know that the Prophet ﷺ set out with approximately 1400 companions in order to come to Mecca to perform Umrah and he was prevented from, do so, from doing so. Who is more oppressive than those who prevent others from coming to the houses of Allah for worship? And likewise, you see something similar amongst the people of the scripture who came before that they would stop people from going to Baytul Maqdis or from other places, houses of Allah Azza wa to be the, in, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be worshipped Jalla fi alone. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning those people, they are the ones who should not enter those places without fear. They should be fearful of Allah's wrath, fearful of Allah's anger, fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment. And that is what Allah Azza wa then says, Lahum fi dunya khizi. They will have in this life disgrace. And Allah Azza wa Jal disgraces them because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will eventually overpower others, give power to others over them. Whether it's the army of Abraha, 
and how they were destroyed as Allah Azza mentions in Surah Al-Feel, whether it's the Quraysh and how they were overpowered and conquered by the Muslims or others. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them humiliation in this life. And in the next life, they will have the painful punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And therefore, from the traits of the people of Iman and the people of Islam, is that they are people who venerate and honor the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the masajid, the places of worship. They honor them, they respect them, they revere them, they give their wealth for their upkeep, they build them wherever they are, and so on and so forth. And from the beauty of what we see across the Muslim, across the Muslim world and beyond, even in many of the non-Muslim countries of the world, is the establishment of masajid. Often, people who would go as migrants to those far-off lands, for example, here in the UK, when the first group of Muslims came and they settled, and they were people who were, generally speaking, people of very little means, didn't have a great deal of wealth. Many of them came without their families. And they came for economic purposes for the vast majority of them. And they came and they sought to come to these countries in order to build a better life for themselves and to bring money back for their family and for their children and so on. But despite them not having great jobs or a great deal of wealth and having other pressures upon them, one of the things that they all strive towards were establishing houses of worship for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, building masajid, building Islamic centers for themselves, for their families, for the future generations that would come. And that is the way of the people of Iman. And then not only building those masajid, but maintaining them, paying for their upkeep, making sure that there are places of learning, places where people can come and offer salah and read and learn Quran, and people places where people can come and learn their religion. And at their very greatest, these places are the hubs of the Muslim community. This is the place where the Muslims gather, men and women, young and old, all of them gather to learn about their religion, Muslim and often non-Muslims as well, in order to benefit from the services that are being offered. And that is how the Muslims are when it comes to the houses of Allah Azza wa places of worship in which Allah's name is always remembered, in which his words are always recited, in which people always worship him subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. But if they prevent you, if they stop you from doing so, O Messenger of Allah, they don't allow you to go and perform Umrah in Mecca, or they stop you from going to one house of worship to another, as has happened over the ages, then Allah tells us to remember, as He says in verse 115, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Remember that the East and the West belong to Allah. Meaning that wherever you may be, and whichever direction you pray, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there. And even though we know that today, as Muslims, we must pray towards the Kaaba, because that is the Qibla, the direction of prayer. But before the Kaaba, the Prophet wasallam commanded them to pray towards Jerusalem. And so Allah commanded the Muslims that at first they should pray towards Jerusalem. When the Qibla changed, as we will mention inshallah ta'ala in a forthcoming episode towards the beginning of the second juz, Allah will speak in detail concerning the command to change the Qibla direction from Jerusalem to Mecca. But one of the things that were then said by the people of the scripture and others was that what kind of religion is this? One day they're facing this direction, the other day they're facing another direction. They can't make their mind up what type of religion is this that doesn't even know which way it's meant to face. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, even if they were to do that, doesn't Allah control everything? Doesn't Allah control the East and the West? And that is why in our religion, even till now, if a person, for example, is praying a nafil prayer and they're traveling, 
They're praying an optional prayer whilst traveling as the Prophet ﷺ would often do. He would be riding on his camel and he would pray his nafil prayers wherever, whichever direction he's going, even if he's not facing the Qibla. Why? Because all of these directions belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, when you're praying your fard prayer or your resident or you have the ability to face the Qibla, then you do so. But if you're unable to, on one occasion or another, someone's in hospital and they're bed bound, they're unable to get up and the way that their bed is facing isn't towards the Qibla. Do we say to that person now, you can't pray? Or do they pray to the best of their ability in the direction that they're facing? So if they're praying towards that direction, aren't they still praying towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah says all of the directions belong to Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala some of the scholars of tafsir said he highlighted the east and the west because this is where you see the signs of Allah most you see the setting of the sun and the rising of the sun in the east and the west and so Allah highlights this it doesn't mean that everything only the east and the west no Allah says as he then continues wherever you turn you will turn towards the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning you will always be towards Allah azza wa jal. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the people that they should face Allah azza wa jal, and when doing so, they will turn towards the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is one of the verses that therefore shows to us that from the attributes of Allah azza wa jal, that he confirms and affirms for himself subhanahu wa ta'ala in a manner which is befitting to his majesty is that Allah azza wa jal possesses a face. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says elsewhere in the Quran, وَيَبَقَى وَجْهُ رَبِّكَ ذُو الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ And the face of your Lord will remain full of nobility and honor. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala affirms for himself a face, as he affirms for himself other attributes in the Quran, like hands, as we will come across inshallah ta'ala in a forthcoming surah and juz of the Quran. إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَاسِعٌ عَلِيمٌ For indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-pervading and all-knowing. Allah says that he has the greatest of knowledge and the greatest of wisdom subhanahu wa ta'ala and so therefore when he commands something it is something which Allah does so with the utmost knowledge and the utmost wisdom. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then in verse 116 he goes on to another assertion that is made by the people of the scripture and that is that they have asserted also from their assertions is that Allah has a child. The word walad, even though in modern day Arabic it is often used to denote the male child a son, in classical Arabic it can refer to either male or female. They say that Allah has a child, primarily speaking about the Jews and the Christians, because the Christians assert that Jesus is the son of God. And there are amongst the Jews certain groups that also used to hold the belief that Uzair was the son of God. As Allah will mention uh, in Surah At-Tawbah. And so this is a claim that they made. But the Arabs, amongst the Arabs, there were tribes that believed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had daughters. And they would say that the angels are the daughters of Allah azzawajal. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that there are from amongst them, primarily the Jews and the Christians, because we are speaking about them, the context is speaking about them. But the verse is more gen- generic, because amongst the Arabs also, just as Allah azzawajal mentions generically, concerning those who prevent people from worshipping the houses of Allah. Yes, it's to do with the people of scripture, but there are others as well. They're likewise here. You have people who assert that Allah has a son, but you also have people that assert that Allah has daughters. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or Allah is far exalted from that. And that is why he says subhanahu wa ta'ala, subhanah, may he be exalted. 
May he be exalted from this glorified far and above this, from that which they attribute to him. Because a child is needed to show, a child is needed as a sign of weakness. It is, we long for children because we know that we will grow old and there will be someone who will look after us, someone who will continue our legacy, our name will live on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no need of a partner or a child. Allah Azza wa Jalla has no need for that type of comfort or that type of assurance or that type of company. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is perfect in every regard. And then by definition, that child would also be a God. A God that as a child would be a God as well. And that would mean then there are multiple gods would then, then mean that there would be conflict between them and so on and so forth. Rather Allah Azza wa Jalla says, بَلَّهُ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ كُلٌّ لَهُ قَانِتُونَ Rather everything in the heavens and the earth belongs to him. Indeed, everything devoutly obeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, Allah azza wa controls everything in the heavens and the earth. Everything is obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Obedient in two ways. Number one, the general obedience, which is the obedience of all of the creation, the universal laws that Allah has set up. No one can go beyond them, Muslim or non-Muslim. Everyone submits to those universal laws. For example, that every living thing shall die. You can't say, or a non-Muslim can't say, that I don't believe in Islam, I don't believe in Allah, so therefore I don't accept that rule, I don't accept that law, and I won't die. doesn't work like that. Death has been written for every living thing. And so therefore everyone will die irrespective of your beliefs. But there is a second type of submission and devout obedience, and that is the one that is specific to the Muslims and to the believers in Allah Azza wa because they don't only accept the universal laws of Allah, but they also accept the laws of his sharia. So they have gone a step further, and that is what makes them the people that Allah Azza wa loves and the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed. In verse 117, Allah Azza wa says subhanahu wa ta'ala, بَدِيعُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ He is the originator of the heavens and the earth. And the originator of the word badi' means the one who creates with utmost perfection. The one who creates with perfection in such a way that has not been done before. So he originates and he creates and his creation is perfect. The creation of humans, the creation of the heavens and the earth, the creation of everything that we find in this universe. It is amazing because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator. And that creation all of everything that we see in the universe, the billions of people, all of the angels, all of the jinn, the, the heaven and, and the heavens and, and the stars and the moon and the sun and, and paradise and how everything that Allah Azza wa Jalla has created. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning it, وَإِذَا قَضَى أَمْرًا وَإِذَا قَضَى أَمْرًا فَإِنَّمَا يَقُولُ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ Allah Azza wa Jalla says that when he decrees something, he only has to say to it, be, kun, be. And it is meaning he gives a command, be, meaning come into existence, and it will come into existence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need a group of people to work, to build. It doesn't take him years or decades in order to, to construct. Rather, Allah azza wa jal simply has to give a command. Simply wills it to come into existence, and it exists because that is the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azza wa jal in verse number 118, he continues and he mentions another of the assertions of the people who disobey him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is that they say, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ لَوْ لَا يُكَلِّمُنَ اللَّهُ أَوْ تَأْتِينَا آيَةٌ Those who have no knowledge also say, if only Allah would speak to us directly, or if a miraculous sign would come to us. They say, the people of no knowledge, 
because they have no knowledge of how the sharia works. They have no knowledge of the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they make demands that they have no right to, to make. And that is that they say, if only Allah would speak to us directly, as some of the people of the past said to their prophets, Allah let us see Allah azza wa before us. Let us see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that we could worship him before us. And Allah azza wa dismissed their claim, this claim of theirs. Oh, ta'tina ayah. Or let us see a sign of Allah azza wa And some of them would say, if, you know, why did Allah azza wa send to us, as Allah azza wa mentions in Surah Al-Furqan, why has Allah sent to us a human? Why does Allah azza wa send to us an angel? It's a sign. So we can see this angel and he can tell us, yes, he has come from Allah and so on and so forth. That would be a greatest sign. Or as they demanded, as Allah Azza wa mentions in Surah Al-Isra, that number of demands from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we want you to have palaces of rubies and gems, we want you to have gardens and rivers, we want you to fly in the sky, we want you to go and bring down a physical book that we can see. All of these demands that they made of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this is the list of miracles that we want. If you complete and tick off all of them, okay, then we'll believe. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, what type of audacity is this? Who are they to make those claims and demands from Allah azza wa jal? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them enough in terms of speaking to them. Allah azza wa jal has given them his words and speech in the Quran. And in terms of the signs, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave them many miracles during his lifetime, but also signs that Allah azza wa jal has shown to us in his creation. So Allah says people before them said the same things. This isn't just the Quraysh or the time of the Prophet ﷺ. The people of Musa said the same thing. The people of Nuh said the same thing. The people of Ibrahim. All of the Prophets of Allah, people made similar commands and demands of them. And that is why Allah says their hearts are similar and alike. The disbelievers of all of those prophets and messengers, even though the time and the place and the generations differ, they are similar in their rejection of Iman, their demands from their prophets, their argumentative nature. And that is why these are traits that, 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 that unite them all. All of their disbelief is found within these traits. And just as their hearts are similar, then likewise the hearts of the believers are also similar. They are similar at every time and in every place. They are similar whether it's the believers in the time of the Prophet ﷺ or the faithful believers that were found in the time of all of the Prophets who came before. Allah concludes this verse by saying, We indeed have made our signs clear enough to those who have Iman and those who have true faith. And that is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us signs in the Quran, in the Sunnah, in the, in the coming of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And that is why in the final verse on this page, in verse 119, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stresses these signs and he says, Inna We have sent you, meaning the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, with the truth, bearing good news and warning. Allah azza wa sent the Prophet sallallahu with truth, meaning in his very coming, there are signs. Signs of the truthfulness of his message and signs that point to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are three signs of truth just in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The first of those signs is in the very coming of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and his being anointed a messenger of Allah azza wa jal. It shows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that the people live in times or there are times that come upon them when they are misguided when they are in darkness in terms of the spiritual life, when they don't know about Tawheed and so on. So Allah sends prophets and messengers to call people back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is a sign of truth. 
that Allah doesn't just leave people without any guidance, without any type of teaching. But Allah sends to them revelation and prophets and messengers that show them the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, the second of those ways that he is the truth or that within him there is a sign of truth is his very example and life sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his seerah. To read his life, to study his seerah, to learn about his character. These are signs that this is a man that Allah chose and favored and gave him the most amazing characteristics and traits because he is the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the third sign is then what he has left behind in terms of all of his teachings, whether in the Quran or whether in the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the signs, the stories, the miracles, all of these things that we have within the Quran and the sunnah, all of this points to the truth. But the role of the Prophet of Allah is that he is simply bashiran wa nadira. He gives glad tidings for the people who will believe and accept and he is a warner of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning those people who reject and turn away. And that is why Allah concludes this verse by saying, وَلَا تُسْأَلُوا عَنْ أَصْحَابِ الْجَحِيمِ You will not be responsible or questioned regarding the inhabitants of the blaze. Meaning those people who turn away, who reject, who don't accept the signs, who turn away from Allah, from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, you won't be questioned concerning them. Your job is simply to convey the message. They're accepting or accepting that accounting is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will question them, you will not be held responsible for them. And so with that, we come to the end of page number 18 of the first juz, Surah Al-Baqarah. Barakallahu feekum, wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim.